minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack-A-Day podcast. This is not your usual Thursday voice. Jacob Westendorf was unable to join us this week, so I will be your host, Maggie Loney, joined by Jimmy Christensen, and hopefully not by either of our dogs, who we are trying to work around right now as we record. So, Jimmy, I don't know if your dog is like a big Kong dog, but I stuffed a Kong with cream cheese, and I'm just going to hope that that gets us through this, uh, this episode without any noise. Oh yeah, and when I have to, when my wife and daughter leave, when I'm teaching and I have to have my dog, I keep a Kong in the freezer <laughs> in it so I can at least lay it down. And I've gotten so desperate that I, I'll put my hand down and just let them, horrible dog ownership, but just let them nibble on my hand so I feel at least quiet when I'm trying to teach. It is, today it's just like the, the Bark a Day podcast. There's just a lot going on. But uh, So Jimmy, free agency started officially yesterday. Uh, We saw the Packers snuck Aaron Jones in, signed him right before the trade deadline. Then we saw Corey Lindsley, of course, made it official with the Los Angeles Chargers to make him the highest-paid center in the NFL, a well-deserved contract, just a little too rich, it seems like, for Green Bay. Um, Unfortunately, of course, we saw Jamal Williams depart for an NFC North rival, the Detroit Lions. So I guess a lot of expectations, maybe, maybe some moves that we thought Maybe not if you didn't think the Packers would re-sign Aaron Jones. So kind of what was your takeaway from the first few days of the legal tampering period now that the free agency and the new league year is officially underway? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that they showed is that they're confident in this team. Like they, The first thing they wanted to do is make sure that they had their team set, or the team from last year for the most part, minus Lindsley. Um, I know we cut Wagner and... Um, Kirksey, but and we let Jamal go. But besides that, we kept everybody, restructured a couple deals to kind of keep the team solidified. And so I think that shows that they have confidence with the changes that they made on the defense, the number one offense returning that maybe within the draft or maybe later on with some cheap um, some cheap free agents. Towards the end, I know right now we're just kind of right under the cap. And if we want to bring anybody in, we'll have to do some more restructuring or extending. I know uh, Zadarius wants an extension. He's said a couple times he's a Packer for life, which I know you want. You probably shed a few tears of joy. Um, <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see what happens, but I think it just shows that they're confident in their team, and they'll, they'll add some pieces here and there, I think, later on as it goes. But I think we're just seeing right now with the salary cap how, as it is, unless you're Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots, you're not spending top dollar right now. Um, and luckily for the Packers, I have a solid, they have a very solid base to keep uh, working upon. Yeah, and I think that's part of, you know, Packers fans get frustrated by draft and develop, and I know there's a lot of people that maybe aren't satisfied with the 2020 draft class. If Jordan Love's not playing, maybe A.J. Dillon plays second fiddle to Aaron Jones coming back. But then you look at teams that potentially need quarterbacks or are needy for star positions. The reason that the Patriots have all this money and are spending on free agents is because they didn't draft well. You know, so there's always a catch. There's always a flip side to things. And if the Packers now have two really solid running backs, they're lucky that they drafted and put themselves in a position to, you know, make up for the loss of Corey Lindsley. And that will be a huge loss. But David Bakhtiari, of course, we're not sure if he'll be able to start the season. So I think that's honestly a big part of the Packers strategy. And it always has been is making sure that you kind of have jars on the shelf at every position and you know maybe that's something we can talk about a little bit now is I guess they have jars on the shelf at just about every position but it feels like cornerback right now or maybe they have jars that they're not quite sure what's in them or what they have in them so obviously no news on Kevin King yet 
Yeah. I haven't really heard any rumors or rumblings about teams that would be interested in him or where he might be going. But, you know, I was always under the impression that the Packers are going to draft at least two corners in this draft. We know it's a really strong draft class. What are your thoughts? Do you think they swing big and keep kicking that salary cap can down the road and bring in some more talent on defense? Or do you think this is really going to be a slow year for free agency where they're drafting? Uh, initially, when free agency just started, I was thinking it was going to be um, they were just going to go with the draft and see. I didn't think they were going to bring anyone with in on the cornerback position. But one thing that really surprised me was Coleman, from the, formerly on the Lions, signed a really cheap deal with the Dolphins for only two million. And I feel like that completely reset the cornerback market because we saw a lot oh, yeah. of other people with like Griffin and stuff getting big contracts. But I think now he lowered it because one thing with Jamal, I was talking to them last night, and part of the reason he signed such a cheap deal because this year he's only a $1.6 million cap hit for the Lions is because when Malcolm Brown signed again with the J, not the Jaguars, with the Dolphins, uh, and then Carlos Hyde signed, signed with the Jaguars, they signed with such cheap deals that that kind of set that mid, mid-level mid running back market. And now with Coleman doing it, kind of made me shift my perspective to maybe the Packers will be able to find a cheap cornerback to maybe around that $3, 4000000 million one-year deal Come in, see what you can do in a few years. Five years are projecting the uh, the salary cap to be up again. So that made me shift a little bit. But I think, like you said, their big thing is just going to be swinging on cornerbacks uh, early in the draft, at least two of them. Yeah, and I mean, I think, you know, Chandon Sullivan was kind of up in the air, too. And I was under the impression that the Packers would look to free agency for a slot corner. I wasn't sure if they could necessarily afford a boundary corner. So when I saw Coleman's contract, that felt like a no-brainer for the Packers. There's a lot of players that are signing these really minimal contracts. And I think that's what we're going to see a lot of this year is there's players that will take these one-year contracts as prove-it years, knowing that when the cap resets and teams have a little more money, they can go get paid somewhere else. And I don't have the name in front of me who said it but there was an analyst talking about how if you're a wide receiver what better year to take a prove it year come to Green Bay play with Aaron Rodgers and kind of reset your market with the best quarterback in the NFL the reigning MVP so I'm not sure you know if the Packers obviously they need the money to make those kind of moves and potentially some extensions will free them up to do things like that but it really does seem like this year there's going to be a lot of players taking a lot of prove it deals and then we're going to have an even wilder free agency next year. Absolutely. This, and I kind of wish Jacob was on here for this because I know he'd hate what I'm about to say. Um, and this is I, the off, or I guess it's technically on the field antics. But one player that I would love to see what they could do. Um, people are going to hate this, especially uh, Jacob. But Juju Smith-Schuster, I, I really liked what he did in for the Steelers in Pittsburgh when he had Antonio Brown as a teammate. He's not, I don't think he's a number one receiver, but we saw what he can do as a top-level number two. This is the best year to have, like you just said, one of those years where you know you go take a relatively decent deal for a one-year prove-it deal. If you can kind of return to the Packers in the future, great. If it's just to get a higher contract later on, great. But you're going to a team where you're not the number one guy. You don't have to worry about getting the top cornerback on you. You have the reigning MVP. You have a dynamic running back just to see what they can do. Um, and I... It doesn't really work anymore, but I always, I really wanted to see a a, du- a a dancing duet between him and Jamal. Unfortunately, can't do that now, so maybe he'll just go to the Lions and they can do that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, and I think that's that's a big part of it too. Is like figuring out kind of what players are willing to take those deals, and you know, I think Judy Smith, really interesting option. I, I have a hard time seeing the Packers paying for a wide receiver just because we know what Devontae extension is kind of looming, but. And I talked to Perry about this on Packs, what she said. 
I know that Packers fans desperately wanted a wide receiver in last year's draft, and it was heralded as one of the deepest wide receiving classes of all time. Totally understand that. But this is the year I think we see a wide receiver in the draft solely because outside of Devontae Adams, you know, assuming he gets an extension, there's no wide receivers under contract for 2022. So last year, you know, they were still waiting to see MVS, Al Lazard, those kind of guys develop. You know, if either of them walk away next year or they can't sign both of them, this makes a lot more sense to be a year that they pick up a player to draft and develop. So I get going all in with a wide receiver, you know, potentially a Will Fuller. Kenny Galladay, it sounds like, is going to the Giants or potentially the Bengals. But what are your thoughts on bringing in a wide receiver as like a one-year rental going all in? Or do you not necessarily like that if it hampers maybe the development of, say, a rookie that they draft to develop? Yeah, I think... Going in with a free agent this year for a wide receiver, if the offense wasn't so offense wasn't so dynamic last season, I think I'd be all for it. But we saw what they did last year with MBS, Alan Lazard, and Devontae really not even playing together all season. Um, there were times where some of them missed games. Alan Lazard, a core injury. Um, Devontae was hurt again for a little bit. So I don't really – I don't think they need to do that to make their offense. I think with the holes that we have right now in the offensive line, if we would bring in a free agent in that in that uh, area would make sense. I don't think we necessarily need to. I'd like to see them draft a, a, earlier in the draft, draft a receiver and let him kind of develop because we have the best wide receiver in the league to develop him. We also have two great receivers who are perfect at doing the dirty stuff, the role players. And I think it's just the perfect place for someone. You have the elite level receiver in Devontae to learn from, and then you just have the grit and grind receiver in Alan Lazard who can kind of teach them, like, hey, some, you're not going to get targeted all the time, but this is kind of the stuff you have to do to be successful in the NFL. So I think it's literally the perfect place for a young receiver to develop. Yeah, I'm with you. And, you know, not to sound sacrilegious or anything, but we know it takes a long time for wide receivers to develop with Aaron Rodgers. So one of the things I said to Perry is, you know, you're looking at potentially drafting a wide receiver that isn't in your starting lineup when Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback, but they're playing on the second team with Jordan Love. And then when Jordan Love is your starting quarterback in potentially, I don't know, three years, you have a wide receiver who's already had three years of experience developing with potentially your quarterback of the future. So before we shift gears, are there any players in free agency maybe that signed with the team already that you really thought would make sense for the Packers? Or is it kind of what you expected where you think they'll have like a secondary market of players that can maybe be signed in the next couple days? Yeah, I'm honestly not too surprised that um, they haven't really gotten anyone that that's been signed already. The only one we already mentioned him was Coleman, and that's solely because of the deal that he signed for. I feel like it's one of those things that teams just probably didn't expect him to take such a cheap deal. So, like, if Coleman would have came to the Packers on that deal, I would have gimped me and all done backflips down the street. Like, I would have been extremely excited. Yeah. Um, but besides that, I'm not too surprised. Like, there's some players that pop out, and I know we just talked about we don't really need to bring in a veteran, but someone like T.Y. Hilton, I can see coming in on a reasonable deal uh, to kind of help out the wide receiver position. Again, not a need. Um, the Packer, bringing in Casey Hayward just brings nostalgia. I don't think it's a move that they'll make or necessarily can afford, but that'd be kind of cool. Besides that, the one person I thought was potential was, I know Perryman from the Chargers um, was a free agent. He just signed today with the Panthers. So that was one that I thought maybe with just having so much inexperience at the inside linebacker position that maybe we'd bring him in. Um, but I'm just not, I'm not too surprised by the inactivity. We wanted to keep our guys and we did that. 
Yeah, I think that's, you know, I think Packers fans tend to forget, like when you think about free agency, that includes your own players that are becoming free agents. So the Packers locked up their own running back and they locked up a lot of their unrestricted or their restricted and exclusive rights free agents. So, you know, I think what we've seen and a lot of Packer beat writers and analysts have kind of said the same stuff here is, you know, this is a team that was an NFC Championship game loss away from going to the Super Bowl, and it's very much a run-it-back type season for them. Obviously, they couldn't keep Corey Lindsley. There's going to be a little bit of shuffling, Jamal Williams, potentially losing Kevin King, but you're not really changing the core. This is just giving your team a reload and another shot at kind of going all the way. Yeah, and I think if we would have waited to sign, to re-sign Kenny Clark and David Bakhtiari to this offseason, people would be way happier but it's it's weird because it's like we signed them already like we didn't even let them get to this point like we've been people are saying like the Packers are inactive they're not doing anything but it's because they signed two players two top players at their position already this season they didn't let it get to this point so they're being proactive instead of reactive which fans I think are which I don't blame them free agency time there's not much else going on you just want moves to kind of just entertain you while you're scrolling through your phone but the Packers have been making making moves to make sure that, like you said, we can run it back and hopefully not have one of our worst performances in the most important game like we did last year. Yeah, and I mean, if you look at the teams that are spending money, it's teams that didn't necessarily make the playoffs. The Patriots, the Dolphins were close. There's a lot of teams that are trying to put themselves over the, over the edge. The Cardinals are kind of going all in this year. They're almost becoming the new Tampa Bay where they're investing in a lot of veterans to see yeah. kind of what they can do and make a push. So it, it all depends on strategy. And I think one thing that Packers fans have always been able to appreciate or they should appreciate is that the Packers have always kind of set themselves up to be good now and also be good in the future. And this is just another example of them doing that. And, you know, Ken Ingles says that they're kicking the can down the road kind of when it comes to the cap situation. And maybe, you know, maybe this Packers team implodes in a couple of years. And that's just something that fans will have to deal with when they can't afford a lot of these key pieces. But at least for one more year, this is a Packer team that I think personally is poised to make another deep run. Do you think that we see an Aaron Rodgers uh, restructure within the next week or so to help them bring in a free agent or even at this point? Because we have to do something to be able to afford all the draft picks we're bringing in. Like right now we're just under that salary cap from what uh, Ken Ingle said. So like we have to make some moves to, to free up some money. Do you think that's the one or do you think it's more likely to have as the Darius and Devontae extension? Yeah, I mean it's tough. And I think with Aaron Rodgers it's one of those – not, not power, that's not the right word, but kind of deciding where you want to put your chips. You know, Zadarius Smith could potentially be in Green Bay for longer than a year, so it makes sense to restructure him. And I, of course, hope Aaron Rodgers isn't leaving after this season, but when you think about locking up your talent, you know, you brought in Aaron Jones. If you lock up Devontae Adams for an extension, if you extend Zadarius Smith, then you have Zadarius Smith and Kenny Clark and an extension for Jair Alexander. So you're keeping a lot of core pieces together. If Aaron Rodgers potentially is not going to be your quarterback in a couple of years, then I don't know if you look at an extension. Uh, but I do see a restructure making sense, especially if maybe he's one of those guys advocating to go all in and make a run at it. He's always been a team player. So I, I could see it happening. I just feel like he's going to be their lowest priority as far as who they would restructure, given who might be around the longest. Yeah, no, that's that's what I'm thinking too. And then I, I look at other teams like the Falcons who did restructure Matt Ryan's deal. And he has a cap hit in a few seasons of, I thought I read it right, of like 45, around 45, 46 million dollars. Like, if we want, Packer 
Packers Twitter wants to complain about kicking the can down the road. And that's not a shot at Ken at all because we are. But, like, look at the Falcons. $46 million for a quarterback who probably won't be on your team in a couple years is incredible. Yeah. I mean, and I thought I thought Matt Ryan was a potential trade candidate. You know, I thought, yeah. knock on wood, that he hasn't. But I thought he made some sense maybe going to Chicago. Yeah. I thought he could go to Seattle if Russell Wilson left, the Texans. So, and maybe that's coming, and maybe that's why they're not as concerned about the cap because it won't necessarily be a cap hit for their team. But, you know, there's a lot of really interesting moves taking place. And I think there's a lot of really talented players that are kind of still – on the market right now and a lot of that you know is kind of what we talked about where you're waiting for certain players at respective positions to kind of set the tone and then we'll see a lot of these mid-tier players signing so before we wrap things up because I know we're trying to keep these a little bit shorter in the offseason are there any free agents that you maybe have on your radar that you're looking at for Green Bay maybe like let's say like your pie in the sky pipe dream free agent and then like a more realistic option for the Packers who's still available yeah, so my my pie in the sky. I know it's not going to happen. Um, my pie in the sky would to be would be to bring back uh, Xavier or not Xavier. So I was reading, I was looking at a list right now to bring back Casey Hayward. Um, since he was with us before, he is one of the better cornerbacks in the league. Pairing him up with Jair would just be um, amazing because he's one of the people. Even with Micah Hyde's another one where they're like, well, what if we kept this person? Casey Hayward's always kind of that person that everyone looks to. That's like, well, why don't we bring him in and. Um, so he would have been nice, and right now I guess I don't have someone real right now super realistic that I'm I'm really looking to. One player that I was hoping, and again a little bit selfish, uh, was Kevin Zeitler being when he was released. I know he's now on the Ravens, but when he was released from uh, from the Giants, just because we do right now have question marks on our offensive line that would allow us to put Elton, that would have allowed us to put Elton Jenkins at center. So bringing him in would have been pretty cool to just put him uh, either. At, put him at left guard Jenkins at center and then we really just have to worry about right tackle but it's free agency and that's how the the cookie crumble sometimes didn't work out but yeah no I'm with you and before I before I go through mine just because you brought it up I'm genuinely curious if you had to bet you know put money down right now where does Elton Jenkins start the season for the Packers and I guess we can say okay David Bakhtiari does not start at left tackle where does Elton Jenkins start week one and then where's his natural home for the rest of the season I think we're going to start him. Um, I think it's going to be right tackle to start the season, and we'll have Billy Turner at left tackle. And then um, I think his natural position, I think we're going to move him back to, to left guard just because he's been so dominant there. I know he showed last season in small spurts that he can play anywhere, but I think when you have such a talented person like that at that position, that solidifies the left side. When Bakhtiari comes back, you have Elton Jenkins, and then a center, whether they're – developing or if we bring in a veteran um it kind of gives them at least one side of the line that they know they have two really strong veteran presence on that that side of the line to help them out so i think we'll keep him at left guard but i wouldn't be surprised if he was our center of the future see that's really funny that we're absolutely in agreement i don't necessarily see them putting him at left tackle i think that's billy turner's role to start the season if david bakhtari can't go but i do kind of see it mirroring week one against the vikings this past season where elton jenkins starts at right tackle and then you know hopefully there's no injury but i do see him moving back to left guard because to me you know he could be an all pro at at left guard or at, at either of the guard positions and I think that he could be a top five, top 10 center or tackle in the league. I think he's that talented. But when you have the potential to be a top one or two at your position, I think you have to play to the strength of your offensive line. And he, I mean, honestly, he's a strength anywhere, but yeah. a strength on the interior, especially with, you know, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon coming back is huge. 
So my so question to you then, going into the draft, what do you think is going to be a higher priority for them, a right tackle or a center? I guess it kind of depends on their plans with Elton Jenkins, but right now what's your, what's your gut saying? I think it's got to be tackle, and I think a lot of it is Elton Jenkins and Lucas Patrick can already play center. Jake Hansen is on the roster while he's really unproven. You've got John Runyon Jr. who can play on the interior. They don't really have anyone right now on the roster outside of Yash Nijman, who they tendered, who could come up and fill in that tackle spot. And maybe, you know, John Runyon could play tackle, but every every player of depth, really, that they have outside of of course, David Bakhtiari as a starter and Billy Turner as a starter is an interior player. So I think that tackle still is a priority. That's why a guy like Mike Reimers interests me a lot in free agency is like a one year, but I think he'll go back to the Chiefs. And that's kind of why the Rick Wagner cut surprised me. I understood it. It made sense from a cap perspective, but having that lack of depth, especially if Dave Bakhtiari were healthy, I think it'd be a different conversation. But knowing yeah. that he might not be able to start the season, I think that offensive line is going to be selected potentially higher than Packer fans are maybe expecting uh, the first couple of days of the draft. Yeah, I'm 100% with you. And I really loved how flawlessly you said Yash Nijman, so that was good. Because <laughs> there's a few times that I look at his names and I'm still like, I'm saying this wrong, but you were just flawless. That was good. Now I'm going to check that way so I never mess his name up again. If you say it with confidence, nobody will ever, you know, call yeah. you out. So. They'll just start questioning the way they say it. <laughs> like, am I saying this name wrong? <laughs> so, so to me, before we wrap this up, the players that interested me the most in free agency, I think Patrick Peterson is like my pie in the sky. Yeah. Just because and I was so impressed you know going through looking at a lot of the guys that are out there I one was surprised that he started just about every game of his career except I believe it was 2019 where he played 10 out of 16 games but other than that he's played 16 out of 16 games for his entire career so you know he's really healthy ton of pass breakups obviously he's one of the best corners in the NFL probably will price himself out of Green Bay's market but just thinking about Patrick Peterson who has his own mini island and then Jair who we know owns real estate in the secondary at Lambeau Field yeah. seems like a really nice combination and then my more realistic player and you know you can turn this off now if you want when I say a Browns player because maybe you don't think it worked out that great for Christian Kirksey but Larry Ogunjobi is a name that I put out on Twitter is somebody that I'm looking at um, I really think that the Packers are going to go defensive line if they go anywhere in free agency partially because we know how long it takes those guys to develop from the draft so if you're looking for immediate impact players while you develop somebody I don't necessarily see the Packers being able to draft a player that can come in and immediately help bolster that defensive line so those are my picks. I don't think any of our picks will happen, but, you know, that's why that's why we're not uh, getting paid the big bucks at 1265 Lombardi. So. I'm still convinced you're going to be the first woman GM in the NFL. I'm holding out high hopes for you. <laughs> <laughs> that, like, warms my heart. Okay, Jimmy. Well, <laughs> that's, that's a great way to end the show. So, Jimmy, if everybody listening wants to follow all your work, if they don't already, they should. Um, congratulations on the new position with Jamal Williams, by thank the way. You, that's excellent. So yeah, if you I'm wanna excited. Yeah, talk that up a little bit and let the people know where they can keep in touch with you. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Jimmy underscore C08. I'll be doing some things for Pack Report and then Game on Wisconsin. I have some shows this Friday. So tomorrow we'll have um, an episode of Lombardi's Bar. We'll come out, we'll open the bar up for a, a nice little free agency episode. And then besides that, I recently just started working with uh, Jamal Williams and his coach, Luke Neal, setting up interviews um, with different platforms, just trying to grow the the swag daddy brand so um just putting out different content things like that just letting everyone know not even just football player but how good of a genuine human uh jamal is more importantly than how good he is at a sport 
Yeah, it's always cool. And he really personified the Packer way of being like a really good athlete, but an even better human being. So he will absolutely be missed in Green Bay. But I'd like to think that's why he signed with a division rival so that he can still come back to Lambeau and see everybody. So. I'm be so so mad. I have to get a Lions jersey, but I love Jamal too much. It's I'm not gonna wear it on, on uh, Packers versus Packers versus Lions, of course. But you know, when they're playing the Bears or the Vikings, I'll I'll wear the Lions jersey. That's fair. I think we can all root for him then. But yeah. uh, you can you can find me on Twitter at Maggie J Loney. I write for Cheese Head TV, and you can also catch me with Perry Goldstein on the Packs with She Said podcast. Uh, thank you as always for listening to the Pack a Day podcast, the only Packers podcast available 365 days a year. Year. As always, go pack, go. Go pack.